Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to 100% Real with Ruby. Today, I have the third most amazing appearance of Miss Kate Ann because she kind of says it as it is and a lot of a lot of people like that no bullshit talk especially when it's not actually coming from me because you get a lot of it already but here we go with Kate Ann today and we're we're going to talk about embracing the phases and the lie of being ready because people feel like they need to be a master of it all already and if they're not dieting it's almost like who am I They're scared of gaining weight. They're scared of losing control. They're scared of losing the discipline they had during the diet. They they just, it's a whole bunch of fear that they don't even, they can't even put words to. So with that, I'll let Kate kick it off and here we go. What's going on, guys? I'm really happy to be here. Excited to have this little chit chat. Uh, We always have a good one and just want to know that some of this may cause a trigger in you and I think that it's important to examine why you might be triggered by some of the things that we might say today specifically around the desire to diet and always chasing a new low or always thinking that you have to look a certain way to be a valuable person or seen as some type of worthy individual and I think that health and fitness has unfortunately taken a turn away from health and towards aesthetics And only once you go down that road where you lose your health in the pursuit of aesthetics, can you really recognize that nothing will ever look as good as having your health feels. So I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about people don't know who they are when they're not dieting. And I think that's a really interesting complex. And I think that it's an important one. And I don't know how many people might be aware that beauty standards themselves are set by women and it's inter-competition by our own species, right? Men tend to just compete with kind of physical aggression, status with jobs, things along those natures. Um, Women tend to compete more materialistically. And when we hit the age of puberty, a lot happens and women tend to, once once they get their period, we see a spike in neuroticism. And this is a normal uh, hormonal fluctuation that women go through. Uh, And introspectively, they also become significantly more aware of their own body image. And so as we evolve through life, we tend to be much more um, insecure about the way that we look, especially in comparison to another person. And with social media being as rampant as it is, right, we can start to have these unrealistic expectations and ideas of ourselves and what we're supposed to look like and what is valuable because someone that you don't know who's doing things you don't know about and probably wouldn't want to do if you had the whole picture shows up and posts a picture that gets hundreds of likes or thousands of likes even and it can make you feel somewhat inadequate right and then you can go down these spirals of 
feeling that insecurity and taking action and continuing to feel as though a smaller body is a better body. You focus on a scale to dictate your own progress. Only in the pursuit of that, you will likely lose yourself and the ability to see yourself as a person outside of what you look like, which is a very complicated issue to be able to dissect um, in general. So I think that kind of is a surface overview of, of how we want to approach it. But I think that it's really important to understand that you can't always diet. Um, and if indeed you do, there are consequences, right? There are long-term consequences to short-term short stupidity. And I say that a lot because you're willing to do anything as far as a service level solution is concerned. There's lots of fad diets out there and every year I feel like there's a new one, right? I don't know if you've heard of like Golo, um, but that's really popular, yeah. Essentially what it is is some type of meal plan, very low calorie, and then they give you a uh, almost like a glucose disposal agent uh, for the purposes of insulin resistance. Um, and so it's almost like a scapegoat for people that that believe that they just can't lose weight because something is wrong with their metabolism. And now they've deemed themselves to be insulin resistant. And then you have the solution on the Internet um, for whatever price point they have it at. Right. Um, or you have things like isogenics, which is basically you buy all their supplements and you take shakes and you just do that and you eat 600 calories a day and you might drop weight rapidly. But if I were to ask you or hold up two pictures of an desired outcome that you have, it's probably to look incredibly great naked and feel confident in that shape rather than being kind of skinny fat because you lost all of your lean body mass in the pursuit of seeing a new low on the scale. So I think it's really important as a consumer to understand that not only are there severe consequences to doing surface level solutions as an approach, you don't actually learn anything. And when we look at diet culture and weight loss, we don't actually have a weight loss problem. We have a sustainability issue. And that comes down to education, self-auditing, self-awareness, um, understanding your own physiology, understanding why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. And motivation is a good thing, but motivation is like relying on your best friend that's really, really flaky, right? The one that you love to be around when they're there and you fucking are excited when they show up, but most of the time they're not around, right? It's that friend. And so understanding that that, that you have to take action that moves the needle forward in a sustainable manner. That means you're not going to see changes on a daily basis, maybe even not every week, but um, you will over time, if you can give yourself a long enough time horizon to do it the right way, not only will you see the progress that you want, but you'll be able to sustain the results that you get. And I think in the end, like that really is the goal, isn't it? Something that, pops up a lot is they a lot of women feel like they're letting themselves go or giving up on themselves once they stop chasing the pursuit that they were originally chasing which is obviously that of a smaller body and they end up only hearing literally only hearing the narratives that suit their own and I see this many times in the Facebook groups I'm part of and I get brushed off as rude or this, that, and the other, and so do other people that are trying to say the right thing, which is why a lot of people trying to say the right thing keep their mouth shut while everyone with the wrong opinions decides to hop in their two cents. So it gets really difficult for people to hear the truth when their language is that of what they're already doing, that of their own identity. And I'm sure you say it all the time as well. And because of that, they stay warped up in the narrative of I can build muscle and lose fat at the same time. So they continue spinning their wheels, trying to find the next best thing, not giving anything enough time, trying to still diet their way down. And then people saying, I lost 
I was fat and built muscle at the same time when no, no, you didn't. You look like you did because you just shaved the fat off and now you can see your muscle. But in terms of anything, it's like you only hear what you want to hear. So you're not even aware of your own biases. You're not even aware of what it is that's actually holding you back. So you keep yourself spiraling in the same thing. Like when, whenever some discomfort comes up, like this is too much food, I'm full. You stay stuck in the same, I'm just going to eat all this salad, all these veggies. Now I'm too full to actually eat what I need to eat in order to get to where I want to be as one example. And I know identity comes into this and the fear of change comes into this. Mm. And again, the fear of loss of control. So there's a lot that you said in there. And the first thing that I want to say is I don't give a fuck about saying the right thing. I do care about saying the truth. I don't necessarily dance around offending people. If you are offended, there's a part of you that disagrees with what I say and or resonates so hard with you that you fear to look that truth about yourself in the eye, right? Because people don't want to take accountability for the way that they are or why they are the way that they are. It's almost like, and with the coaching industry growing, right? It's easy to blame a coach that you've worked with, not looking at your overall accountability, adherence, intention, effort, and execution. And so it's easy for you to dance around. Oh, it wasn't the right program. It wasn't the right coach. It's not me. It's that thing. It's not me. It's my body. It's not me. It's my hormones. It's not me. It's, it's my age. Right. And again, if you search the internet to validate the opinions that you have or the, the cognitive bias that you carry, of course, you're going to find somebody that agrees with you. Right. And so it's okay. If I continue to search for the thing that validates my own feelings, then I'm always going to feel self-righteous. I'm always going to be bright. But what if you're entirely wrong? And what if the problem isn't the thing that you're doing? It's your inability to stay patient and continue to execute and stay consistent doing the thing that long term will actually give you the results that you want. Right. That's point number one. Point number two, as far as body recomposition is, is concerned, the only people that can do that truly are people that are detrained coming back into training and or novice, which means you are new to the gym, right? So we see this all the time and there's lots of research that supports that. Trained individuals do not recomp, right? They might diet and or increase training intensity to lose body fat, but they certainly aren't maintaining um, and recomping at the same time. If you are recomping, you're probably one of those people that doesn't really show up to the gym throughout the year, right? You just kind of start showing up when you want to diet and you're, therefore your consistency, effort, and intentions are in alignment with the same timeline that you've decided to incorporate a calorie deficit. So of course you're going to be able to restructure any tissue that you lost, grow some tissue. If you start to eat up and or distribute carbohydrates into your diet, then we're going to have intramuscular glycogen in water. So hydrated muscles are always going to look fuller and harder. And with that, you're going to feel as though you've recomped. But the problem is if we looked at your entire year, objectively, logically, and transparently, that you half-ass your efforts for 70% of the year and give your full effort for 30. And so then you can ask yourself, well, if I gave 100% of my efforts all year round, regardless of whether I was in a calorie deficit or not, what would my body composition actually look like? Well, that's a really good question and one that you should investigate if you're one of those people that only gets gung-ho about it when you want to diet, right? That's where you are not serving yourself. And then if we want to talk about fear, I think that one thing is that fear is an emotion. It tends to drive anxiety. It's the what if, it's the uncertainty, right? And it's also 
inevitable. We need to get past this point of fear being a bad thing. It's like being sad is a bad thing. No, being sad is a part of life. And that doesn't mean that you have a bad life if you have a bad day. And so if we look at fear, of course, like whenever you do something new, there's going to be the fear of uncertainty, the fear of unknown, the fear is, is this right or wrong? Because you don't know enough, but the only way to find out is to go through that thing. So you have to have courage. And so once you do have courage and you can kind of tame the beast, it's almost like fear is that little little devil on your shoulder that pops up every now and then. It's like, oh, hi, yeah, you're here, but I'm still going to do the thing anyway. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to comfort versus discomfort, I use this analogy all the time with, with clients that I mentor. When they talk about fear and they don't like change and they know that they need to change, but they don't have the courage to do so, you can frame it in a way that sounds like this. I'm sure most of you guys have seen um, 50 First Dates, right? Very predictable. The same fucking cyclical routine every day. They go to the, the Waffle House, Pancake Shop, Breakfast Bar, wherever they are, right? And the guy picks her up and then they go on this repeated date and every day starts and ends the same. It's just this cyclical cycle. And so when you think about your life path, you can either choose to stay where you're comfortable and be very consistent there because you know what you're going to get. Right. But when you look at back at your life at the age of 90 or 100, because now people live significantly longer, if you choose to live the same habitual life, whether you're 25, 30, 40 or 50, and you're like, this is the way that I am, I'm stuck like this. You do recognize that you will look back at your life at 90 and go, well, this is a boring novel to read or Netflix series to watch because I did the same habitual shit every day of my life. How exciting was that? And I do have a theory. This is kind of a side tangent. I think that people that fear death the most are the ones that know that they aren't living life the way that they want to. Because of course you would fear dying and ending your time when you know that you're waiting for retirement or waiting for the next job or waiting for the boyfriend or waiting for the body or waiting for the friendships or waiting for whatever the fuck it is you're waiting for to actually have the courage to do something that you actually want to do. So fear is inevitable. And if you want to live a life that is fulfilling for you to watch as you lay there with yourself on your deathbed, I would highly encourage you to lean into fear and I would encourage you to rise to the occasion of any obstacle that's in your way, because that is the beauty of the human experience is not that it's black and white and not that you should just keep doing what is comfortable to you or to exist within the upper limit that in fact you have set on yourself because there's nothing that you can't do. You might believe that you can't do it. There's no reason to believe that you can't do anything, especially when there's evidence of other people doing the thing that you say that you can't do, because if one person can do it, why can't you? Oh, but it doesn't work for me. My body's broken. And if you continue to tell yourself that narrative, you will manifest that into your current reality. Because again, whether you're conscious of your, of your thought patterns and your subconscious beliefs or not, they do manifest into your external reality. If I tell myself that I can't lose weight because uh, my hormones are fucked, and they are actually, but it would also prevent me from taking the actions that would allow me to lose weight because I already have counted myself out because my hormones suck, right? So if you, if you continue, it, it could be anything that you say about yourself. I, I used to have this theory because one time one guy told me that I was undateable, right? I uh, wasn't into him like he was into me. And I just had to be like, where you are, I just, I'm not there. And he was like, you're impossible. You're absolutely undateable. And I internalized that dialogue. And I would actually say this to people like, oh, I'm just undateable. And you want to know what I did? I didn't go on dates. I didn't talk to men. I, I wasn't putting myself out there because, and I wasn't even aware of it. But this subconscious belief that I had spoken over my to over myself dictated the way that I acted. 
And so whether you're aware of it or not, if you tell yourself you're an emotional eater, if you tell yourself you're not X, Y, or Z, if you tell yourself you're not disciplined, if you tell yourself you have to have motivation, if you tell yourself it's too hard, you are not going to rise to the occasion and set the bar higher and fight through the obstacle. But that is where your growth happens. That is where you find out about your own levels of resiliency, about your own levels of grit, about mental fortitude, about what you can accomplish, right? And like I was talking to Ruby earlier and telling her like, I'm. <clears throat> if you guys follow me on Instagram, I'm training for a half marathon. I have not run since before I started playing division one basketball. So this is back in, I don't even know, 2011, probably last time I ran over six miles. And I don't worry about how I'm going to accomplish the next mile or the next two miles, right? One thing that I ask myself when I do this in any arena of my life, can you take one more step? Can you take one more step? And the answer to that every single time, 99.9% .9 of the time is yes, I can take one more step. And that's all that I worry about. Can I take one more step? Can you take, can you make one more rep? Can you make one better choice? Can you advocate for yourself one more time? Right? Can you lean into this discomfort one more time? Right? It's not about accomplishing the end goal. And if we look at human patterns and dopamine and how people assess and feel achievement, it's not actually acquiring the end goal. You think that it is. You think once I have this body, once I weigh this amount, right? Once I get this many followers, once I have this many, whatever the fuck it is that you find valuable in your life, once you have it, you think it will be fulfilling. But the problem is it's not the actual achievement that makes people happy. It's right before the amount of effort that you're putting in right before you accomplish that goal that you feel the most fulfilled. That's what makes it powerful. That's what makes it exciting for people. And you see this all the time with people that are driven and they're focused on the achievement and they want to get X amount of money or this girl or, you know, whatever it is, people that chase milestones, right? Because we think it's the milestone that will make us happy. It's landing the job. It's landing the body. It's, it's whatever the fuck it is. And then you get it and you finally hit that thing. And then you just raise the bar because you're like, okay, well, that wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. So let me just go chase the next shiny object because that might make me happy. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to tie this to something because you said something about you lose yourself in the process. And I know we spoke about this in episode 205, our very first one, but this was the same as when one example is when I was doing my comp prep, I, because it wasn't like the, the process itself was more so you're showing yourself that you can do something, but because you're so depleted and you're lacking life, it's not really the excitement of that. It's the fact that you were on stage and then you get lost in the glimmer and then you get attached to something. But then referring to the marathon example, I trained for my half marathon two years ago. Yes, two years ago. And I hated running and I hated every moment of it until I started to actually enjoy the process of challenging myself. I started to realize, hey, I'm not actually gassing out up to the 10 kilometer mark anymore before I remember I used to struggle to get to even five kilometers and then as soon as I hit the marathon it's like cool cool I hit the marathon wow wow so so celebratory but it wasn't really it was the process that I enjoyed the most because I was training for something I was going towards something and now what's that what that has translated to is my life I did that and that phase is over. But now it's just the daily process of showing up for my best self because that outcome is now being a better coach for my clients, being a better me. Because when I'm not showing up for myself, I have no energy. When I'm not showing up for myself, I'm not as happy. I'm not as enthusiastic. I don't have confidence in myself. 
I don't believe in myself because the best form of confidence is showing up for what you said you're going to do. The best form of belief in yourself is doing what you said you're going to do. If you're not showing up for yourself, how can you expect to get the confidence to actually get the results that you want? Because you never get the results that you want if you don't, if you're not confident in the fact that you can get them because of the self-narrative you keep telling yourself. And you're not going to feel happy when, if you're not allowing yourself to feel happy in the process of getting there. And you're not going to be happy if the whole process is you berating yourself, you hating yourself, where you're not, the gap you're not at yet. And something I wanted you to talk about as well in that is the identity, but there's also the fear of maintenance in what you said and the fact that the narratives we tell ourselves like, I'm not dieting, what's the point? I always gain fat, not muscle. And pretty much how that relates to us not really enjoying the process of where we're getting to where we want to be. We're not experiencing it. We, we're not ready to experience it. We feel like it's that whole loss of control and not sitting with the emotions that come with that change. Yeah. So one thing, um, there's two things that I want to say, um, that I actually, so I write every morning and a couple things that I, I go through is obviously my core values and, and certain things to frame the day, the way that I, so that my intentions are set. But a couple things that I've written recently that seem to resonate with a lot of people is that one growth and comfort cannot coexist. They do not coexist. And the second thing is something that I write every day that I've said for a long time. And is that it is that your obligation to yourself is to find out all that it is that you could be because hell is where you meet the person that you could have been. And it is up to you to have the courage to go out and seek out hard things because that is where growth happens. Growth happens exploration of self finding what it is you do and don't like because at the end of the day the only reason you knew you know if you do or don't like something is because you experienced it and there are so many people that have no idea who they are outside of what they do or who they're related to or all these things right but who you are fundamentally what you enjoy as a human by yourself like if you could remove all of the we always describe ourselves in relation to what we do or, or who we're related to, right? I'm a sister, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm whatever. It's like, no, I'm Kate. And Kate likes these things. And I know that because I've explored these things. And I know what I don't like because I've also explored other things and found out I didn't fucking like them. And so it's only through the pursuit. And you talked about experiencing things. I think that you have to have the courage to be brave and one thing that I talked about on my mentorship call the other day is kind of six steps that I, I've worked through on my own to build confidence because you, you mentioned confidence a lot. And confidence is not something that you have in every arena, but a part of you is confident in something, right? There's something that you do where it's like, I know I can do this thing. And the reason that you know that you can do the thing is because you've given yourself a reason to believe that you can, which is the evidence of you pursuing the thing and doing it over and over and over and over again. So that you know that you can do it. And so when it comes to areas that you're not confident in, it's not about screaming affirmations in the mirror and talking yourself up and doing a power pose. And while those things physiologically might help, you don't gain confidence without action. And so when you think about the things that you want to accomplish, you have to also ask yourself, what type of person do I have to be to do that? What would they look like? How do they carry themselves? What actions are they taking that I am not? And if you have too large of an ego to bring self-awareness to your own negative habits, coping mechanisms, beliefs, narratives, you will never be able to bridge the gap between the two.
And so you have to get very transparent about this is the thing that I want. And also people will look at other people and be like, well, I want to, I want that, but I don't want to do what they had to do. I don't want to spend that time. I don't want to go through that hardship. I just want that thing and I want to do it my way. But that's not how it works, right? You don't get to building muscle and losing body fat, going into the gym, lifting the same weights, doing the same reps repetitively with no intensity of effort there whatsoever, right? You don't build a toned physique and lose body fat, eating like a bird and running on your, a treadmill or working your ass off on a Peloton every day. Like that's, those things are not cohesive. So you can't want this thing, but only be willing to do these things, right? There's a gap there. And so you have to identify what it is you are and aren't willing to sacrifice in order to achieve the end goal. And when I talk to people about choosing a path, you have to understand that there is pain and suffering with inaction as much as there is pain and suffering with action. And so regardless of which path you choose, there is pain and suffering associated with either. And again, it comes with fear, right? There's fear on other si either side of this coin as well. It is inevitably a part of the human experience, always doesn't matter. It's going to happen. And so you have to decide which pursuit in the end that you look back on is worth all of the pain and suffering that you must endure to get to where those paths will take you. But it's like one side is actually one that they already know. So it's comfortable to them. Right. And then they live in the same cycle, kind of like the 51st dates thing that we talked about. Right. Because you lose 10 pounds and then you gain 10 pounds and then you want to lose it again. And then you get it back and then maybe some. Right. And then you get into this negative headspace and then the outlet is, well, I'm going to compete. I'm going to go on this surface level solution. I'm going to get isogenics. I'm going to go do whatever the fucking thing I said earlier, go low. I'm going to do all these all these little quick fixes because I'm uncomfortable right now. And I don't want to address that the the actual root cause of the problem of my discomfort is myself. I don't want to I don't want to own that. It's, it's something else. It's somebody else's fault. It's it's another system. It's it's my body, it's my age, it's it's my gender, it's whatever the fuck excuse that you want to bounce off of your fucking self. But at the end of the day, you are where you are because of the choices that you have made to this point. And the beautiful thing about right now when you're listening to this is that you also have an incredible opportunity to change it because you only have the future to recreate, redefine, shift, all of these, like, that is exciting. That is the most exciting thing every single day. I'm like, what the fuck do I want to accomplish today? Who do I want to become? What do I want to learn? What actions do I want to take? If you guys think I want to go run three miles after this, you're absolutely fucking insane. But I'm going to do it anyways, right? Because if you want to be a person of integrity, if you want to be a person who has self-trust, right? Tr we trust other people. Why? Because when they tell us they're going to do something, they're the people that follow through. They're reliable. You trust them. Okay, so if you want to trust yourself, if you say you're going to do something, you need to do the thing. Because excuses are always going to be there. My legs are fucking sore as shit. I'm tired. I definitely want some caffeine, but it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so we're not doing that. Right, because I need to sleep to recover. So I'm going to get my ass outside. It's only 45 degrees. And I'm going to run three miles. And I'm not going to worry about the three-mile accomplishment. I'm going to ask myself, can I take one more fucking step? Can I move forward? Because it doesn't matter the rate in which you go. Speed is not the dick, the driver of what you do. Right? It's the fact that you're traveling in the right direction. And if you continue to do that, you will, hit. when it comes to setting goals, it's, it's like the peak of a mountain, right? You see this end goal and you're like, okay, I'm going to climb this fucking mountain. I'm going to do that thing. And you think that the mountaintop is the end, but you get to that peak and then you look and you go, holy shit, there's another peak. 
And that's what ha happens with growth. And that's what happens with goals. And that's what happens with whether it's fat loss, relationships, muscle building, whatever the goal is that you have endurance, right? You think that this shiny object thing here is going to be it. And then you get there and you've learned so much about yourself and your, your capabilities and your own passions and desires that when you hit that peak, you already have decided, I kind of want to go that way. And that's the beauty of what we get to do every single day in, in our own worlds is continue to move towards something because humans without purpose, you're already dead. You just brought up a really good point. And I saw this in a couple of people actually. And that's, yes, you need to allow yourselves to shift your goalposts because you might realize along the way that what you originally started out with wasn't the goal at all. It's just that you were so uncomfortable with the person that you were and the life that you were living that you have this initial goal. And then you actually grew in the process or you realized things along the way. And now there's a different goalpost to go to. But before you expand on that one, I want to talk about that speed thing. And it's almost the same. Like for me, speed does matter. I'm doing hill sprints after this. But that's the point. It's a 12-second sprint. I'm not sprinting three miles. When you when you worry about speed, you have less time to that before things start to break down. And then I'd probably collapse if I tried to sprint the whole three miles. Like, that's just impossible. And there's rest and recovery between it. I can't go for another 12-second sprint until my heart rate gets to a particular point and recovers. Otherwise, what's going to happen? Every single sprint less and less effort until it's not a sprint anymore and I'm probably sleeping at the start line. So you need to get realistic of what your expectations are and the consequences a little. But going on to the goalpost shifting and maybe what I just said, if you want to expand. Yeah, no, I think, I think so speed, I think one speed in, in that context is important, right? Because when we're talking about weight loss, right? When you, when you focus on speed, you compromise quality. Right. And some, maybe you can run a 12 second sprint, but if somebody's listening to this and like, oh my God, I run a hundred meters in like 20 seconds. Good for you. Like that is, and this is bringing me back to like that upper limit. I love finding out where I fail because it tells me where my current potential upper limit exists, but that does not mean that I can't shift that fucking bitch. And I will. Right. And so that's the thing where it's like, you deserve to find out what you're capable of achieving. If you run a, a hundred meters in 20 seconds, great. I hope next week it's 19 and then I hope it's 18.6 and then maybe you go back up to 19 and you feel like you're failing, but that is inevitably a part of any process is that you make progress. And then sometimes you go backwards. Sometimes you might go really far backwards if your ego is aligned in there because you think you can do more than you can. And so you neglect the recovery aspect of things. But if you can manage yourself appropriately to continue to show up and get on that start line every single day and take one fucking step to the best of your ability, you're going to inevitably progress. And what was 20 seconds will now be 12. Right. And then you'll continue to fight through that shit. But that's inevitably a part of any process. Right. It's not about you in comparison to somebody else. It's about well, this is my current ceiling and I want to push past this bitch because I deserve to find out what I can do. And once you find out that you're capable of more than what you thought you were, you realize that the only limits that are on your life and on yourself are the ones that you place on you. They dictate your decisions, your beliefs, your habits, your emotional regulation, your relationships, right? Your ability to be disciplined, your ability to follow through and complete a fucking task, right? How many people say they're going to do something and they don't fucking do it? They just talk about the fact that it's going to be great when they do it. No one cares. No one cares. And the only person knows that you're not actively working towards that thing, but you continue to talk about it is you. And so then it's like, are you, are you doing the pursuit to make yourself proud? And are you doing it for you? 
because you enjoy doing it because it's a personal challenge, right? To find out more about yourself. Are you doing it for the external validation or compliments that you might receive in pursuit of this thing, hypothetically, that you're doing, right? There's a lot there. Something that you just said there about the failure thing. And that's the thing, because I also have not run, like this is now my second week returning to sprints and returning to the running I used to do after my hamstring injury. So I filmed myself doing my sprints for my second last sprint. And I looked like a freaking penguin trying to run. Like my arms are like this. It just looked ridiculous. And I posted the thing. Like I put it on my stories and I put it on Facebook. And I laughed about it because I'm like, well, this is something I need to improve. But a lot of people see that as, well, this is, I'm not cut out for this. What's the point? I look like a freaking fool. What if someone sees me? I'm not made to run, but I'm actually really freaking excited to get my old running form back to improve upon that. Like, that's what excites me to keep going. Actually, I say the same thing as you. Your weaknesses are your untapped potential. If my sprint looks like that and I'm still able to sprint up the hill, the steep hill for 12 seconds, imagine what that would be like if I actually had proper running mechanics. Imagine the potential. Shift that dialogue to you. Yeah, and I think... Again, like if you can acknowledge your own deficits, it tells you where you can improve, which I think is exciting, right? It's all about how you frame it. It's not like, oh, I'm incompetent at X, Y, or Z, and I just can't do it. It's like, no, I don't necessarily have the knowledge or the skill set yet, but I'm willing to kind of self-audit myself, take videos or or look at my work or get feedback on my work and, and improve based on the feedback from somebody else whose experience is where I want to be. And that's another thing. You should never take advice from people that aren't where you want to be, by the way. Um, but there's something that you said earlier about shifting goalposts. And I think that this is really important, especially once you can understand the things that are fulfilling to you, not pursuing things that other people find valuable. Because if you don't know what you find valuable, society will tell you what you should believe to be valuable, right? And this is where people chase things that at the end of the day are meaningless to them. And one thing that I did to help me find clarity on the things that I find meaningful personally was slightly nihilistic, but if you decide everything in life is meaningless, like nothing means anything at all, you can then decide what things in your life mean something to you. And then you have clarity in the things that matter and you can align your actions in your day-to-day and the networks that you have, the friendships that you have, the things that you pursue in alignment with yourself and what you actually find meaningful. And that is a much more fulfilling life than trying to fit into a box that somebody else said, well, you would be really worthy if you looked like this and if you did these things and if you achieved that thing, I think you would be valuable. It's like, well, fuck off. Like at the end of the day, when you're on a deathbed, whose opinion matters about you? It's you, right? And you have to live with yourself. So if your talk is negative and you're always trying to get the approval of other people, do you even approve of yourself? Like as you are, why are you not good enough? And, you know, I think especially again with the realms of social media and, and culture here, It's like everybody tries to fit a mold. The problem with everybody being a carbon copy of everybody else is that none of that is exciting, right? The people that stand out the most are genuinely the people that don't give a fuck about being who they are. They're an authentic self. They're kind of quirky and weird and interesting. And it's like, oh, when they speak, they're saying what I want to say, but I don't have the courage to say because I can't actually give myself permission to have a voice or act in a certain way or say, I'm not doing that. That's fucking stupid. I don't believe in that, right? And so there are so many things when it comes to pursuing anything, but I think it's very important to understand 
Why are you doing this in the first fucking place? Because if you aren't doing it from a place of your own value, finding out what it is you can do, knowing that you could be better and you deserve to be better. And this is a challenge that you might scare the living shit out of you, but on the other side is actually kind of thrilling, right? Those are the most fun endeavors, not doing something like my mom wanted me to be a pharmacist transparently. When I told her I was running, I was going to take all of my savings. I had saved to buy a house. I was like, I'm going to buy a house. That's what you do when you're in your mid twenties. You're going to save up and you're going to do the American thing. and You're going to buy a fucking house. And I was like, okay, mom, well, I'm not going to go back to school and I'm not going to be uh, a doctor and I'm not going to go into pharmacy and I am not going to be a PA. I'm actually going to start a business. And she was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah. And I'm going to use my savings that I was going to use to buy a house to fund the business. The fuck you are. Like, what are you talking about? That's not right. But at the end of the day, it has been the most fulfilling experience I could have ever had. And I, it scared the living shit out of me. And if you've, if you've never not had anything, right, it, it delivers a different level of resilience and grit that you need. And I think everybody should actually go through a period of life like that, because I did many times. And I think it's given me a lot of perspective on things that I find meaningful. Um, but when it comes to you understanding yourself, like you talked about earlier, it's like people can't even sit with themselves. And they're so emotionally dysregulated in a world where you can have dopamine at your fingertips. It's like, well, you never have to sit with anything. You've got a friend, you've got social media, you've got drugs, you got alcohol, you got sex, you got porn, you got whatever it is you want, what literally at your fingertips to distract you from all of the fucking chaos that's in your brain and your body. But the problem is the more that you avoid a fear, the larger that fear becomes. So if I say I'm afraid of spiders, right? Let's say I'm afraid of spiders and I refuse to go anywhere that has spiders. I won't even go outside, right? Then the moment that someone wants you to go outside, you are freaking out on edge that there might be a spider anywhere because you've avoided that thing that you're afraid of, right? And so what you resist persists. And it's one thing where you, where you can acknowledge that you have a fear and you can face it head on. And you can also like take baby steps to it. Like maybe I, I hang out with like a fake spider for a day and then put one on my wall and then, you know, a bigger one comes and I kind of play around with it. And then I've kind of given myself the, the interaction with that thing that I'm afraid of until I see a real spider and it's not that bad, right? Most of the time, the things that we fear, we are much bigger chaos in our head than they are in actuality, but they prevent us from taking any forward movement at all. And so back to the goalpost thing, when I first started my business, it was just, I was, I was known for mostly contest prep coaching and, you know, not getting people all fucked up and all that stuff. And that was great. But for me, my personal growth came from the exploration of my mind. And so now in business, I, I continue to, and the how will never, the what will never change, right? The what for me is being a mentor and a coach, truly aiming to be the person that I wish that I had. That will never change. But how I execute that has shifted massively, right? Five degrees here, five degrees here, and I'm still traveling in a direction, but now I'm ending up in a completely different destination. And as I move forward and I get more into speaking and I do more podcasts and all these things, like I'm sure it will continue to kind of swindle itself. But I don't resist that. And I don't fear that because it's in alignment with the thing that I actually find meaningful and fulfilling, regardless of what people might say. Some people think psychology is stupid and I should just focus on weight loss. I heard that a lot, but I don't care, right? Because to me, 
nothing physically will ever sustain you if your head is not in the right space ever. I see this all the time. I've worked with thousands of people at this point in my career. If you do not fundamentally shift your identity and work on the shit that's going on in your head, the things that you believe about yourself, your behavior, your actions, your, your emotional regulation, your ability to receive stress and respond to it appropriately, you're going to continue to exist in these vicious cycles of self-fulfilling prophecies that are negative and leave you feeling like shit. And then you define yourself based on an action, which is absolutely not any type of way to define yourself or you define yourself based on a thought that you have, which we have thoughts all the time. I tell my clients all the time that the mind has a mind of its own. We have thoughts going on all the time, but they don't mean that they are defining thoughts of yourself. Most people, when they're frustrated, especially when you're in a highly emotional state, you tend to have thoughts that are absolutely ridiculous. But until you can audit them and look at them and look at this belief or this thought that you have and go, is there any evidence that that's real? Most of the time, the answer is no right? There is no valid evidence that you cannot walk outside, that you cannot lift a weight, that you cannot eat chicken, that you cannot incorporate a calorie deficit, that you can't hit your step goal, that you can't sleep more than six hours, right? There's no, there's not actual evidence that, that that's true. It's just a narrative that you continue to tell yourself and a belief that you continue to carry. That's not real, which then again, manifests itself into your actions, habits, thoughts, beliefs, emotions, all the things. And then you continue this vicious kind of cycle of self-sabotaging behavior, which will never lead you to where you say you want to go because you can't actually shift the identity and take ownership of how you are and the fact that what you've done to this point has gotten you where you are and that you have thoughts and beliefs that aren't real that you refuse to look at because you don't want to know that it's actually your fault and it's actually your problem and that you are more than capable, by the way, of doing the things that you would need to do to achieve the goals that you have. I loved the identity. It's always coming back to the identity because you are and you act in align with the identity of the person that you think you are and kind of some well a summary of all of what you just said which can then be taken forward is people are so warped up in this busy 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 to not sit with emotion so we can't see ourselves actually committing to a journey of doing it the right way so that's when we fall to the go pro go low go whatever the I, I don't know we don't have it the isogenics the the I just want to strip weight off fast I just want to do a quick shred and you keep yourself in the same cycle because you can't see yourself committing to something the right way or you're still warped up in the false beliefs of the way that you think it needs to be in the way that you think that you need to be the way that you think you need to do things in order to be happy in order to be fulfilled whatever it is because you're still warped up in the person that you thought you were you think you are, but it's really a shadow of your old self that you haven't even yet let yourself actualize the person you are now because you're too busy staying busy, busy, busy. So in real uh, aspect, you're not even allowing yourself to become the person you think you can be. So there's this busy narrative that just feeds the identity that of the person that we don't want to be, but we're not aware of it. Well, I think... That's that's interesting, but I also think it's important to to acknowledge the gap that most people have that I see is that they think that they are there's there's two extremes. There are people that think that they're nothing that are actually a people of substance, right? And that could be conditioning experiences, whatever it might be that has cultivated this narrative of I'm never good enough, I'm somehow inadequate, um, all of that, right? So they continue to operate in a way that would make them inadequate, 
right? They've aligned themselves in their actions to that identity, right? And then there's the other side of the spectrum, the people that talk a big talk and say that they're this and they're doing all these incredible things and just wait till you see it and all this. And then they talk about it for like five years and you're like, what, where's this thing that you said that you were going to do? Oh, I'm still working on it. It's going to be great though. Like, you know, there's that gap in, in either side, right? And it's, it's, it's a crisis of having that thing where, like Drake says in his song, and I, I really like this line, it's like, you know, you, you know, it's real when you are who you think you are, right? And the only person that knows if you are truly operating in a, in a situation where you are truly and transparently absolutely aligned with the things that you say, the actions that you take, the habits that you have, right? All of those things cultivate into the person that you say that you are, where if you only talk, and you don't act and you know social media has made it very easy for us to kind of clap people on the ass when they have an opinion or tell you what they're doing that's so fantastic and great but we've forgotten the side of action and i think that that needs to go backwards it's almost like everybody wants to do automation right now and i don't give a fuck about automation i don't think it's personal at all um but people want to fast track everything everything in life if you see an ad on fucking instagram or facebook that's like grow your business to X amount in 12 weeks, right? Or we'll done for you automation service or all these things. And one thing I always remind myself of is, is it's true. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If someone's telling you you're going to lose 20 pounds in eight weeks, highly unlikely. And the sustainability of that is also highly unlikely, right? So as a consumer, we have to get back to the basics, right? Your kid isn't going to would you believe a teacher that said your kid's going to walk into my classroom and by the end of this, at the age of three, he's going to know how to do complex trigonometry? Like, are you fucking high? My kid doesn't even know how to tie his shoes. Like, but seriously, but as adults, we tend to fall for these things and it's an emotional buy. It's an emotional, oh, this could be the answer. Maybe something's wrong with me and this person's going to fix it. And this shiny object looks great because I don't want to think about the fact that in order for me to actually get results, I'd have to be very consistent over a long enough time horizon, which would be at least 12 weeks and realistic rates of weight loss that are sustainable in someone that's not morbidly obese would be about half a pound to a pound a week. Well, that's not fast enough for me. But then the other question is, you only have time here on this planet, right? We, we only have now and then the potential future that we could create, but we certainly can't change the past. And Let's say that you completed that goal in a week. What are you going to do with the rest of your time? Right? Like how fulfilling would that be? How much effort would you have to put in? Like people typically can follow some detox shit for a week. Then you get burnt out and you go back to old habits because you didn't actually learn anything nor incorporate anything that would teach you or motivate you to be better. Right? It's just like a surface level solution. It's like, oh, okay, you do this thing and you'll see results. And that's great. But what if you could bite the bullet spending the next five years doing this up and down yo-yo bullshit and you could spend the next six months committing to achieving that goal? And while it might not be the two-week thing that you want, in six months, if you can have the understanding of nutrition, the understanding of training, knowing how to progressively overload, seeing body composition improvements, losing body fat, improving metabolic composition and, and rate um, and systems more than that, and your mindset, like how much further could you carry that in making it sustainable and long-term because fitness and health, I think we have this idea that it's like an acute thing. I'm just going to do this, this 30 day trial and right? see if it works out. And it's like, well, no, like it's a long-term investment, right? It's, it's like putting money in into stocks, right? You don't just put it in and pull it out. Like what the fuck are you doing? 
right? That's not really going to give you an, a return. But if you put money in consistently, and sometimes stocks will be up and sometimes they'll be down, right? But over a long enough time horizon, if you continue to make the investment over a decade, right, there's lots of evidence that the ROI on that is phenomenal. But you can't get the instant gratification that everyone wants, right? So short-term discomfort has to aid to long-term game. And if you can play the long game and focus on the delayed gratification that you will get from these short-term investments of discomfort and uncertainty, right? The long-term gain on that is massive. It's like building muscle. I had this conversation with a client today. She's like, oh my God, you haven't trained for a year and you still look like that. And I'm like, yeah, because building muscle, the amount of effort and volume that it takes to acquire new tissue is daunting. It is daunting. It is boring. It is repetitive. It is daunting. It is exhausting. And it's not like losing weight. It's, it's like, you know, a fine hair that you stick on a wall and that's it. That's a new tissue. And it's not until you have a whole head that you construct a weave. And then it's like, oh, wow, there's hair there. Right. You can see the difference. Right. You can see the difference. But initially every day, like you're just laying these fine lines and that's it. But if you do that for a decade, like I've been training since I was a kid. So, of course, I have acquired enough lean body mass to where if I take time off and again, it takes about one ninth of the total training volume to sustain lean body mass that you acquire. So not only does it take less effort, right? Metabolically and for the rest of my life, the functionality that I will have because I put in the sweat equity to acquire this, again, it's like stocks. The long-term ROI is, is massive, but it doesn't come without the discomfort and sweat and fortitude and discomfort on a daily basis for a long fucking time. I want to touch on that last part before I go into what I wanted to say about the business thing you brought up. And that's, this is exactly why it's really important to not live in a diet your whole life because those fine lines won't be sticking themselves up and accumulating if you live in a deficit forever because like Kate said you you are not doing both at the same time I don't care what narrative you're trying to compliment what what stories you want to try to believe but you can say it as much as you want science is science you are not going to do both at the same time it looks like it because you're un, like revealing it when I was, I remember when I was really stupid doing my comp prep, I was like, oh my God, I'm building muscle. Oh my God, look at my delts. Oh my God, they're more defined. Look how much muscle I'm building. And I was getting leaner and leaner and leaner. And everything that I built was actually getting revealed. I did not build shit at that level of body fat. You could just see it. And no, I did not body recompose. I was losing fat. I was revealing muscle. Now, on the note that you said about the business thing, which I absolutely love because it relates to everything, and that's, I see it all the time. And the amount of people I block on a daily basis that come into my inbox saying, how's your business going, Ruby? I can do this for you. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. Like, literally, it's it's a pandemic. I can only imagine what everyone gets in their inbox with, oh, my God, get this challenge, get this detox, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, my thought process is, well, that's no fun. What am I meant to do? Just like, like, what am I doing? That doesn't, that doesn't, like, my, as soon as you start to love the process, the journey, what you actually are doing, it becomes a lot more fulfilling. Like, I love being able to help people. That is my purpose. I want to help people. I want to change people. And very soon, with all these automations and whatever the fuck they're trying to sell, very soon, your clients will start to see that you're flaky. They'll start to feel like it's not personalized anymore. And like what Kate said, what's easily got is easily lost. And the whole 
the whole podcast pretty much on that. Yeah, they will see it and they will leave. They will not. They will not want that level of thing when they can just get something that's just like I don't know on the internet. It's like they're not getting what they need in order to get the results that they want to sustain. And the thing is, that's see that as much as that's not sustainable, that's also not enjoyable. That's also not a process that you feel fulfilled doing. Like, what else are you gonna do? Are you gonna twiddle your thumbs? And then what? What happens once you get this thing? Are you just meant to just like click and let it just repeat itself? And it's it's the process that is inevitably the most fulfilling thing in anything that you do. It is the courage to take the leap, to step up to the line and engage in the pursuit. It is not knowing whether you will succeed or not, or whether you will win or lose. But even with those terms, like you have to reframe what they mean. Because failure, in my opinion... When I fail at something, it just means that there's a gap in the quality of what I produced versus what it should be. So I came up short. But every time I do that, I get a little bit better. And eventually, it's up to par. And then I've, quote unquote, succeeded. The wins that you so desperately seek are tucked behind the losses you're unwilling to take. Right? And you have to lose in order to win. You have to fail in order to succeed. Like These things don't exist in isolation. You don't step up to the bat and hit a home run on your first swing. Right. Your kid doesn't walk into the gym and you expect him to be Kobe Bryant the first time he picks up a basketball. Like that's that's just unrealistic expectations. So why would you ever expect yourself in a new arena to perform like an expert? Like that's foolish. And that's exactly what imposter syndrome is. And guess what? We are all imposters. Like welcome to the game. But you have to have the courage to step into the room and have the conversation and put out something right. Perfectionistic tendencies is nothing but glorified procrastination i mean that's it right it's like shiny sh- sh- putting glitter on a piece of shit like it's it's it doesn't make it better it's just that your fear of the feedback because you don't know if it's good enough and you're never going to find out how good it is if you refuse to put it out there right but if you know that you did your best like i'm going to go around three miles it might take me 30 minutes to do it and it might not be the best that I can do, but it damn sure will get easier the more that I do it. And that's the same with any skill set, any endeavor, any journey. When you're learning macros or you're learning portion sizes or you're learning how to lift weights and your squat is body weight, let's say. Well, you're not going to be lifting 135 if you can't move your body weight through through the air, right? It's like you have to be able to do that. And then you have to have the courage to then pick up the barbell at some point and then do a couple reps there. And then you slowly get a little bit better and a little bit better. And all of a sudden... You're lifting 135 or 235 or heck, I don't even know. Like you have limitless potential on some level, right? To be able to find out where your upper limit is and then fucking say, okay, that's my upper limit today, tomorrow, but not next week, not next month, not next year. Not if you continue to show up and pursue the thing, right? But that's where excellence comes from. That's where if you want to be an expert, you have to be willing to show up and be be a novice, like that is a part of the process. You don't just, I think entitlement is massive. You don't just walk in the door and become the fucking head honcho. Like, I'm sorry, but no, like back when I played division one basketball, you best believe there was hazing. And I think people will take this one way, right or wrong. Like, yes, you have to fucking eat shit as a freshman. Like you have to earn your keep. And I think that we've just gotten so soft that people can't take any negativity or any ridicule or criticism or hardship. And it's like, no, because once you work your way up, you know that you fucking earned it. And there's something about knowing that you've earned something. There's something about eating shit for a long period of time and then not having to eat shit anymore. Like there's something about that experience that I think is powerful. 
Like I genuinely do. I wouldn't go back and be like, oh, you must be nice to me and I must get fair playing time and I must get a trophy for showing up. Like, what the fuck is that? You didn't do anything. And now we're teaching people you don't have to do anything to receive an award. Like, I don't even know how to how to mentally wrap my mind around these things. Like you have to suffer. Suffering has to be a part of your growth. You don't get growth without that. It, it doesn't exist. At least not in my opinion. I really love that. And I was just smiling at how this just took a turn to return to the very thing that I wanted, we both wanted to do this podcast about, which is ready is a lie. And that's, that's literally the process of why ready is a lie. You can't expect, here's another example, because I posted this to my story of me doing reps and reps and reps of cyclist squats, AKA my heels on some crazy elevation doing reps of 95 kilos of a squat. Now, the thing is, I'm doing like 60 to 70 at the moment. Ready is a lie. Like, just because you can't perform at a level that you think you can perform at, even if you've done it before, what are you going to do? Just keep doing it off. Time doesn't wait for you. And the whole journey is a journey for that reason. It's got ups and downs, just like the stock market. And you will never be ready to start again or to start for the first time. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely see me say this a lot, that ready is a lie. And that's just because like, it is the number one excuse that people will use is, oh, I'm not ready yet. Ready for what? When are you gonna be ready? How do you know? And here's the other thing is that we're willing to, tr to trade the one thing that is finite, which is your time. Your time on this planet is finite. We all like to pretend like we know that we're going to die, but we like to pretend we're going to live forever as well. It's this weird complex of narratives that we tell ourselves. But your time is the most finite thing that you have. And if there's something that you want to pursue or something that you want to do, or if you want to extend your timeline as far as health and, and longevity is concerned, then you have to be willing to walk into the thing and step up to the plate before you believe that you're ready. And, the, and again, it comes back to confidence. It comes back to the identity shift. You have to know who you have. You have to know who you are. So the art of being, but also know who you're working towards becoming. And it's this thing that I say all the time. It's the art. It's it's the intricacy of being and becoming. It is a simultaneous act, right? Like I like to meditate and I do kind of envision my future self, right? And I'm, I'm very clear on exactly what she looks like. I'm 35. I got longer hair. It's curly. So it's not like this lion's mane that I got going on, right? And she looks a certain way and she carries her way a certain way. And she's wearing these nice things. And, you know, she's walking to an office because she's getting ready to, to do some business stuff, right? And I just, I see it all the time very clearly. It's like, so I know how she operates and I know what she believes. I know what her values are. I know what her boundaries are, right? I know how she advocates for herself. I know how she carries herself. I just, I know her right? I see it very clearly. And now that I have the idea of the identity of the person that I want to become, I can now intentionally take action and incorporate habits, actions, beliefs, and systems that align with that. Because if I continue to do those things, regardless of how confident I am in them or how much belief I have in my ability to do them, if I take the action anyway, and again, going back to the mile thing, if I can take one more step in that direction, inevitably, as time moves, right, I am creating that version of myself. But you don't get to do that and be comfortable and go home and eat Cheetos on the couch when you're feeling sad, right? Like, no, like you have to check yourself. What standards do you have for yourself, right? And if you don't believe that you are valuable or set high standards for yourself, why the fuck would you think somebody else will? I love that. So we've already been talking for an hour and 
like so much has been said and so much of it is probably shaking you just like Kate said because actually it might be shaking you or you might need to listen to it another two times because it's it's hard to hear what you don't have ears for yet and I had someone say this to me who who's a friend who was a client for a period of time as well and she's like the thing is you're saying all the right things and you speak such wisdom all of the time you always say the right things but the thing is a lot of the time I'm not ready to hear it. So it makes no sense to me. A lot of the time it takes you saying it for the millionth time for me to just click onto that one thing. And then I start to understand something else. Yeah. But then I still don't understand the rest. And that's, that's the case with many things, which is why we tend to fall to the narratives that resonate with us the most, which are the very ones that keep us stuck. We're not ready to hear some of the messages and we're not patient enough to give ourselves the chance to translate it into the language that we can actually start to use for the long term because we just want the now. Well, I think in context to that, I think, and this is why I continue to beat the same drums. Like if you followed my content for a long time, specifically like the last year has really been integrating psychology and physiology because I'm very passionate about both. I think integrating them is the key to long-term change and success and fulfillment in your life, regardless of what you look like, because no one is going to write on your tombstone. Here lies Karen, hundred pounds soaking wet. And we love that about her. Like no one's going to say that. No one. And so it's like, stop defining your value as a human being based on an aesthetic thing that you have. Because I know some beautiful people that are really shitty on the inside. Right. And I know some people that you would say are out of shape that are fucking phenomenal, incredible, beautiful human beings who continue to chase their own progress in what they find meaningful. Who are you to decide what's meaningful to somebody else? But when you come to receiving information I think that experience is the greatest teacher. I can sit here and say these things to you with conviction and wisdom because I've gone through fucking shit and I've eaten it for a long time to get to where I have the perspective to say these things. And some people, they need to, and this is the hardest thing about coaching. I'm serious. It's all time. Sometimes you have to let clients fail. Sometimes it is a necessary pivotal point in their life because now they've had the experience of chasing the thing and finding out that it's unfulfilling right, of, of accomplishing this, this thing that they thought would be so fucking valuable. And then they get there and they're like, you were right, right? It's like, it's like your mom telling you not to date the fuck, the fuck boy, right? And she's, it's bad news. It's bad news. And you're like, mom, you know what you're talking about? You're trying to ruin my life, right? Like, and then you date him and you find out he really is a dirtbag and you kind of have to like come home to mom who will still be there when your heart is broken. And she's not going to sit there and say, I told you so, but in your head, you're going, you were right, mom. It's that kind of thing. And so that's why it takes you having the courage to go through an experience or get sick enough of your own shit to go, well, worst case scenario, I find out. Best case scenario, I achieve the thing, right? But worse, worse is not doing anything at all, right? So it, it's, it's understanding that on some level, the discomfort required for you to change, right, has to be lower than the discomfort you're already experiencing, Right. Otherwise, you won't change. And if you're struggling to feel like, well, it's too late for me or life is over or I've been in this rut for a long time, I can't possibly shift or change or change my perspective or have a lot going on or whatever, whatever it is that you believe about your ability to become somebody different or become the person that you want to be or that you believe you can be or not even that you believe you can, but the person that you like deep down inside, you know, you want to be the life you want to live the amount of confidence you want to be able to exude, not being a wallflower on a fucking in a room, but someone that actually takes up space and people notice, 
right? The one that doesn't fucking wear baggy clothes all the time because you actually kind of like the way that that dress fits and you don't have the courage to do that or you feel like you've just dug yourself into a hole that is way too deep. There is no trench that you've dug yourself into to this point that you can't get yourself out of, period. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter how deep it is. But if you have the courage to walk through the storm, regardless of how rainy it is, inevitably the rain has to let up. And you'll never be ready. You need to start now because you're just putting off the inevitable. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, I think a lot of people too get overwhelmed with, well, I don't, I don't know that I can do all of these things. It doesn't have to be massive, right? It could literally be, I'm going to, if you walk 3000 steps in a day because you work a desk job and you're sedentary, maybe you aim for four. You say today, I'm going to hit 4,000 steps. I'm going to get up a little bit earlier. I'm going to walk outside for 15 minutes. I'm going to make sure I take the long way. I'm going to park at the back of the parking lot, even though I don't want to. It doesn't have to be massive changes. It has to be small things that stack on one another that will continue to move you forward. And maybe you eat out five times a week. Maybe you say, okay, I'm only going to eat out three times. And then I'm only going to eat out twice. And then you actually start cooking from home and you feel better because the food supply that you're giving yourself has given you a shift in energy and clarity and motivation. And you're starting to feel overall better. That's one of the best shifts that I see from people that live like that. I feel so much better. I have more energy. I'm pooping every day. And if you've not pooped every day for a period of time, you know how bad that feels, right? And then you start to align your choices due to the benefits that you experience. But it came from initially deciding to do something different to find out what that might bring into your life. It doesn't have to be going to the gym five days a week, meal prepping every day, tracking all of your food, getting on the cardio machine five days a week as well, and then saying no to all of your social life and experiences and not having pizza night with your kids. Like It doesn't have to be that complicated. If you can start small and stay consistent with the small things, again, that's 90% of the battle. Everybody likes to talk about the three to 5% that talks over your head and sounds all scientific and extreme. Like, cool, most people aren't there and most people don't need to go there to change their health, their confidence, their physiology, things that they believe about themselves, what they can do, what they they can accomplish, right? It's small things that you say you're going to do and you take the step to actually do them. And then you trust yourself and then you find out how resilient you are. And then it's not so hard, right? The learning curve initially on anything is the hardest part, right? My first mile, when I first started running a mile felt like forever. Now I can run two and about three, right? The three to four miles is where I start to struggle. But if I do this consistently, four miles will be a breeze, but six is going to kick my ass, right? And it's going to be that gap. And there's always going to be, this is my limit. And then I got to fight to push past it as best I can until that becomes comfortable. And then I'm going to push past the next one and that will become more comfortable. And so it's just understanding that you can't flip a switch. And most of the time, this is what surface level solutions are. It's a complete switch of what you can eat, what shakes you have, what supplements you take, how much cardio you're doing, how many steps you have to get, blah, blah, blah. It's it's so overwhelming that you can do it with, oh, this is going to be it. This is the solution. I just have to do it for two weeks instead of going, okay, I'm titrating these habits and I'm learning these systems. And now I know what proteins and fats and carbs are. And I know what a portion size looks like for me. And I know that I can still go out to eat and order out and and still fit my my target calories right? You can start to learn. And again, the initial learning curve is massive and it feels overwhelming. But if you commit to the learning process and taking the little habits and taking those baby steps, those things become just natural instinct, right? It's like learning anything. I'm sure all of you are really good at whatever job you have. 
And I'm sure when you first learned it in school or when you first walked into the office, you're like, oh my God, this system, the CRM, this, this fucking data tracking sheet, like all oh, this is so overwhelming. Like, I don't know if I can do it. And then a month or two later, you're like, oh yeah, I'm in a groove. I love my coworkers. I'm doing a good job. Yeah, you need help with that? Yeah, I, I know how to do that, right? And then you can then spread it. And that's the coolest part about it is like, I have clients that help their friends and it's a ripple effect, right? It, it's the thing that you can start to set an example. And who could you, who could you impact? By showing up 1% better. If you're a mom that doesn't take care of herself, that has emotional dysregulation, that is stressed out, always tired, snippy. If you were 1% better for your kids, what type of example would you set? If you're a dad who isn't taking care of himself and likes to drink on the weekends or is always overly stressed out about work, right? What example could you set by being 1% better? Like it doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be for social media. It doesn't have to be for X, Y, or Z. You don't have to be a fitness model to be healthier. Right. You just have to start focusing on the little things to make you healthier that will set a good example for the people that you care about, for the friends that you have, for the work environment that you show up to. Because if you have no energy and you're constantly drained, right, you're pouring water to a cup that has a hole in the bottom. Like, good, good luck. Right. That's not going to sustain you, nor is it going to leave a positive impact. And nor are you going to be able to generate the relationships that you want, because life truly the most fulfilling thing. And there's actually research about happiness that the major thing that makes people happy and fulfilled in their life is their relationships and the quality of those relationships. But you can't possibly give dynamically to a relationship if you're constantly stressed out, energy's low, you've got metabolic issues, your health is on the line. Like, good luck showing up as like a grade A friend, right? All of these things are consequences of your choices. And again, like you don't have to be a fitness model or an Instagram influencer to be a healthier person. And I think that 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 we need to start reminding people, A, what health really is, and B, that you don't have to be this shiny object Instagram person that looks a certain way to be a healthier person, to set a better example, to leave a better impact on the people that are around you that genuinely care about you and will remember you when you die. Because all the people on social media don't know you, they don't care about you, and the moment that you're gone, they might think about you for five minutes, and then they're going to think about themselves. I love that. I love that so much. Is there anything else that you want to sum up the whole identity thing with before we close off? I think it's just important to remember that your thoughts generate momentum and momentum can be both good and bad. So if you don't believe that you can and you don't have the courage to take the action and you continue to lean into the narratives and the stories that you tell yourself and the self-diagnoses that you looked up on Google, right, then they will continue to drive a negative habit loop of momentum. And if you want to change your life and change the actions that you take and have courage and cultivate that bravery to create the identity of the person that you know inherently you, you could be, then you need to start to reframe the way that you think about hardship, the way that you think about fear, the way that you think about failure, and more importantly, the way that you think about yourself. I love that. I love that. So... For those that want to actually, for those that, yeah, actually, for those that want to get a little summary of everything in dot points, please check the description below because I'm going to put in some key points that I took from Kate down below as well as her Instagram handle. But maybe you should just tell everybody anyway because a lot of people are listening in the car or listening when they're doing something. Where can people find you? Yeah. So on Instagram it is Kate and Michelle, K-A-I-T. Um, I do have a podcast. It's called Elevate. It's all about mindset, pursuits, and personal growth. 
Um, so you guys can check it out there as well. I've got some awesome fucking interviews coming up, by the way. So I'm really excited about those. Um, and then uh, I am on Facebook. We do have a open public uh, to the public Facebook group. We'll all go in, do lives. We drop resources. We answer questions. We do all that stuff. So uh, jump in the community. Feel free to reach out to me personally. Um, I love to connect with you guys. And if you have questions or something resonated with you or you want me to expand on something that I mentioned here today, I'm definitely running my inbox. I'm not one of those people that has multiple people on there. So if you ever want to chat, uh, you guys can always connect with me on Instagram. Her questions and answers, even if you don't participate, they're actually really freaking interesting to read when they do pop up onto my stories feed. I, I love reading them. So her stories are probably the best place you can absorb a lot of her content as well. So check those out. And with that, thank you for coming on. And if you liked this podcast, let us know. It honestly is something that I love more than anything, hearing what resonated with you, hearing what you loved the most, and I'm sure Kate will love to hear as well. So let us know. And with that, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next podcast. Bye, guys.